Good morning, Ace Family Church. Great that you guys can join us in our online service this morning. We're just excited just to have you guys from all over the world come and join us and just be able to listen to me share the Word of God this morning. And I pray that this Word will bring life to you. I pray that this Word will challenge you. I pray that this Word will turn things around your life complete. And I really want to trust the Holy Spirit this morning to come and minister you, even as I would just share the Word this morning. Let the Holy Spirit minister you wherever you are, in your home, in your lounge, in your bedroom, wherever it might be, that you listen to what the Spirit of God has to say to each and every one of us this morning. But before we get started, can we just open up in prayer? Father, we thank you that your word says that this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And we will rejoice in your goodness and your grace and your mercy this morning. We want to thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come this morning, even as I would minister this word, that you would bring life to every person, Father, that is listening and tuned in, Father, whether it be on our, our podcast or our Facebook page, Father, that you, Holy Spirit, would come and that the will of the Father be established in our midst today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm, as most of you know, quite a stubborn kind of guy, and uh, I think there's one thing that's always been something that, that's been difficult in my life, is that I, I often refuse to give up on stuff. I often refuse to give up on people, probably to my own detriment at times. I am one of those guys that if I believe in something, I would go to the ends of the earth to see it come to pass. And uh, last week, Sunday, my son-in-law, Donovan um, Spronk, he shared a message in Prague, in their church in Destiny. And, and he spoke and he told the story in Luke chapter 5 about the paralyzed man that was lowered to the roof. We all know the story and I'm going to read it to you now. And, and while Donovan was just ministering that word, I really just felt God stirring some things in my life and saying, you know, Kurt, I want you to look at this passage a little bit differently. And so for the last week, I've been just going through this passage over and over again. So Father, what is it? What did we miss? Where are we? Um, what is it that we need to get breakthrough in our lives? Because I think during the season, so many of you have been praying for breakthrough in the area, be it your marriage, be it relationships, be it your business, be it your church life, be it your, your spiritual life. In some form or another, everyone has been pushing for something and been trusting God for revelation, but just not revelation, for breakthrough in certain areas in our lives. And I know many of you have shared with me Many of you have received so much downloads and you guys have received so many breakthroughs in life and it's been time where you've got to push and push and push and push and, and just really trust God that, that every promise that He has given to you and me has been yes and amen. And last week I spoke about releasing the next generation um, and, and if you haven't heard it, you can go to our website, you can go to YouTube and watch it again. But I spoke about the importance of what revival really is in our lives. And I, I explained to you that revival was turning something or bringing something back to its original position and, and saying, God, what it is that you really want of the church right now. I spoke last week about how I feel like God has put a pause on the church and as God has put a pause on the church that certain things need to fall into place, certain things need to line up and, and certain things need to come right where we've almost missed what God is saying in the season to us as a church. And uh, and as we spoke about revival, we said, like, what was Jesus really thinking when he spoke about church? What was, he, what was in his mind um, going to Calvary? What was in his mind uh, when he was resurrected? What was in his mind when he took Ascension Day and, and he went up to be with the Father? What was his thinking when he released the Holy Spirit onto the earth? And, and we, how we maybe missed it a little bit in the sense of church has become more about us and less about God. And as I started just to share... Um, or to, to really study this word this morning, 
Um, I just felt God saying a few things that I want to share with you this morning in the area of breakthrough, in the area of just hanging in there and not giving up in the season. But before I read the scripture, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a funny story. About five years ago, my wife on our anniversary, 25th wedding anniversary, decided that she was going to do something really special for us. And uh, I think some of you might have heard the story. But Chantal had this whole day planned for us, the whole day for me, really, planned. And uh, she woke me up early in the morning and we got ready and I didn't know where we were going. Um, and she just put me in the car and she said, come, we're gonna, I've got this day planned for you. And so she took me for this amazing breakfast, this little restaurant. And, and she kept watching the time, kept watching the time. She said, no, we've got our next appointment at half past 10, half past 10, half past 10, you know, we've got to be there. Um, had no idea what Chantal had planned and uh, once we had finished breakfast and we got that time uh, she had arranged a couple's massage for us which was the first time that I ever really had one of those massages or a couple's massage I mean we didn't I didn't even know what it was really about but I thought oh, you know what it's been a real cool thing Chantal's gone through so much effort and, and so much planning to get this thing done that this is going to be great and we walked into this establishment and uh, they uh, put us in a little room and there's two little mattresses on the floor and they gave us a little outfit to wear and they went and give us a massage. Not realizing that Chantal had filled in all the forms and, and what Chantal had put down on the form that we were really there for was something called a deep tissue massage. Now, I just thought, you know what, it's going to be a rub, they're going to some oil, they're going to loosen your muscles, very much like a physiotherapist. And this is going to be great. And so we, we get into our little shorts and we get that little gown and we're in this bed. And uh, these two tiny, tiny little ladies walk in. I was thinking, oh, well, you know, it's not too bad. This is not going to be um, that bad. I mean, these ladies are tiny. They're probably going to give me a little bit of onyx oil, a little bit of a rub, and everything's going to be fine. And, and so we started, and these, these two ladies don't speak a word of English. So um, that was an interesting concept on its own. And in any case, Chantal was on the one bed, I'm on the other bed, and there's a lady that is uh, busy massaging me, and there's a lady that's busy massaging Chantal there. And, and as the, the massage goes on, it, it, it intensifies to such a place that I am in the most excruciating pain of my life. And I remember lying there on my stomach, and next minute this woman was physically walking on my back. She's standing and she's got this rope and she's walking on my back and she's cracking my back and then she's got her knees in my shoulder and she's got my arms behind me. It looked like she was riding like a Harley Davidson with me and she had been twisting and bending and poking me and prodding me. And I remember at one stage being so much pain that I didn't know what to do and I, I almost leaned over just to look if Chantal was okay or if she was experiencing what I was experiencing because you know, for me, now I was being tortured. This had gone from now deep body, body massage now to torture. And I was sitting there biting my tongue trying to get through this pain. Didn't want to be the girl in the relationship in a sense. And so I looked over Chantal I thought I was really hoping, you know, that Chantal would go, oh, well, this, is, this is a bit much. You know, maybe we should, maybe we should um, stop here. Yeah? And uh, I remember looking at her and she just gave me a little smile. And I remember in my head thinking or screaming out to her, save me. Help me, please. I'm in so much pain, but I couldn't. I just had to bear it. And, and uh, it was 45 minutes of the most excruciating pain that I've ever experienced in my life. And I remember afterwards, we, we um, went and we had this cup of tea. And I, I think our bodies were so sore, we couldn't even drink the tea. We had two sips of this tea. 
and we walked out of there and nobody said anything because for me it was this great gesture that she totally made and, and she kept saying to me, was that good baby, was that good? I was like, oh, it was fantastic, I was really good love. But I backlinked him and walked to the car and I'm looking at Chantal and thinking, you know, she's backlinked as much as I am, but now we both got these brave faces because now this is a big anniversary for us. This is a great day for us. Well, it took us about a week to recover from this massage. A week when I'm saying to you that it felt like we'd been hit by a truck, that every bone in our body was throbbing and pain. Every muscle felt like it was just swollen and bruised. But after a week or so, our bodies really adapted and, and we started to realize, I started to realize that what we'd gone through, it was something really awesome because it had really realigned our bodies and, and, and after a week of, of getting through the pain, I felt really strong. And, and, and I'm telling you the story because there was a place halfway through this massage, a time halfway through this massage, where I was ready to give up. I was like, no way baby, this is just too much pain. I can't handle this. I'm going to be the girl in this relationship. I'm going to be the one that's just going to bail on this thing and say, it's too much. I can't. But I pushed through. And I pushed through, one, because I understood what Chantal had put into the planning of the day. But I also understood, secondly, that this is good for me. And, and often we've we got to get that in life, that the hardest things in life will cause us to sometimes suffer the most pain that the biggest breakthrough in our life normally comes straight after the greatest challenge that we face each and every day. And I think so often as believers, we give up just too quickly. We give up just on that, almost on the finishing line where we, we almost just want to quit. You know, just things have just got too hard for me. My marriage has got too hard for me. My, my, my relationship, my work situation, everything has just got too hard for me. And it's so easy for us to walk away and walk away just before we receive this incredible breakthrough that God has for us. Chantal always got the saying that says that the tallest trees catch the most wind. And she always uses that when she speaks to leads and says, doesn't matter where you are, the higher you, you, you progress in the things and in the purposes and the plans of God, the more you put yourself out there and you make yourself available or vulnerable, can I say, to things that go on around you. But I want us to read a story this morning about a group of men that also refused to give up. A group of men that, that also had to push through the pain to get the result that they wanted. So I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5 and I'm going to be reading from verse 17 this morning. Now this is an incredible story and before I read, let me catch you up here because Jesus had been traveling, he had been trained all over the cities and the regions and he had just been healing people, one after the next, we go read chapter 4, where demons says people will be, demons were cast out of them, people were just being healed wherever Jesus went. And, um, the word actually says, one says that Jesus healed them all. And so Jesus was on this massive crusade, in a sense, of just going from town to town, just releasing the power of God over people, and seeing people being healed, and delivered, and set free. And and you know, like it is in modern times today, word got around it, and, 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 and everyone started to hear about this man called Jesus that was doing supernatural stuff. And uh, we want to pick up the, the story in chapter, uh, verse 17. And it's a story that we all well know, and it's a story of the paralyzed man. Now, we don't know how long the man had been paralyzed for, but we knew he was paralyzed to such an extent that he'd be carried around on a mat. And... Uh, so we've got the man that, that, that is here that needs to be carried around on the mat. And then 
On the other hand, we've got Jesus now that is coming into this town and um, he's coming with this incredible reputation behind him to such a place that he, that he goes into the house and the word doesn't say, but let me just read for you quickly um, what the word of God says. And it says this, and it happened on a certain day, all right, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. So they come from all over. These are now the learned men. These are the scribes. These are, in a sense, the church has now come out to hear what Jesus has to say. And the next part of this verse that's always caught me so in, in such a deep way, I've never really tried to understand or really understand what it says. And it carries and says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, now, now I want to touch on that quickly because I want you to underline the presence of God was able there to heal them and, and underline that piece for me because the word doesn't say that the sick were brought to him or that um, the lame were brought to him or that those with leprosy were brought to him or um, a woman with the issue of blood was brought to him. This wasn't one of those healing crusades where all the sick were brought to Jesus. This was a meeting where all the religious leaders of the day had gathered in a sense to question Jesus exactly who that is and, and what is he doing. And, and I always think to myself, what did you think, what I think the writer meant when he said, and there was power there to heal them. And to heal them from what? Was it from religion? Was it healing them from their thought patterns? Was it healing them from generational curses? Was it to heal them? In their thinking, was it the healing in their hearts? Was the healing in their brokenness? We don't know, but the word of God clearly says that Jesus, right there in the midst of all those leaders, he had the power to heal them. So Jesus, first thing on Jesus' mind, and when he gets this gathering and he meets in this man's house, the first thing on his mind is, is that he's busy teaching, but the second thing that he gets into his mind is, you know what, I can actually heal every single one of these people that are young. But the word goes on, he says, and then, behold, men brought a bed, with the man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him, which is Jesus. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the rooftop and let him down with his bed through the towels in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, this is Jesus now, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins God but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, when Jesus realized what they were thinking, he answered and he said to them, Why are you reasoning in your heart? And I love that piece. Why are you reasoning in your heart? He says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk. But that, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was proud, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your home. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, departed his own, to his own home, glorifying God. And when they, all, they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen a strange thing today. Now I want to, there are five people, there are five groups of people that I find in the story that often we miss. The first group that we miss is the religious leaders. So we, we realize that this is not just a gathering for, as I said, the sick or the lame or the hurting or the lepers, 
This is a spiritual gathering where the leaders had come to Jesus because they wanted answers. And, and, and as I read through the scriptures, I started to realize something, that again the world is again waiting answers. They're trying to understand what has happened. We're trying to understand what is going on around us. And even those men, the learned men, they realize, man, something is different about this Jesus. We've been doing this now for 2,000 years. We've had this church going. We've had these temples going. We've had the synagogues going. We worship in a certain way, the way Abraham taught us, and, and, and all these kinds of things. But he has a man that brings something different. Little did they know that Jesus was really just setting up the church, as I said last week to be released to the next generation. And as I prepared this message, and I just thought, wow, Lord, imagine the power that Jesus carried to bring religion together. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the teachers of the law, they all came, and all of them wanted to understand what was Jesus about, and what was Jesus about to do. And as I just wrote down notes, God just reminded me of something, and I want to share this for you, and I just, it's a little bit back, but I, I, I want to go to the day of Pentecost, when, when I looked at these religious leaders questioning Jesus, and, and answering Jesus, and saying, you know, how can you do this, how can you have the ability to forgive sins, how can you do this on a certain day, how can you do this to a certain crowd of people, and, and as I was writing down, Jesus, God just spoke to me, he said to me, good, I want you to remember one thing, one thing, that there was only one church that came out of the upper room. And that was a church, spirit-filled believers. And I really had to ponder on what he was saying to me because 2,000 years down the road, we got thousands and thousands of denominations where what started in the upper room as a group of believers filled with the Holy Spirit came out of the upper room. Things started to change. People started to get saved. And, and as the years progressed to where we are today, so much has been added to the original plan of the church. We've got denominations, we've got um, different belief systems, we've got different ways of doing stuff, we've got different ways of dressing in certain um, religions and certain denominations and all this stuff. We've added so much to the gospel. And as I was preparing this message, I, I almost sensed that God was saying to me prophetically, Kurt, I want to strip the church down and bring it back to its original place. Believers filled with the Holy Spirit coming out of the upper room. And I looked around at how much I have added, even in my ministry, even in the family church, how much we added to what originally came out of the upper room. You know, even when we started church, we felt, oh, we've got a family denomination and we're going to link into someone and we're going to do things a certain way. And this is how we break bread, and this is how we do our worship, and, and this is what the church building looks like on the inside, and this is what our Sunday school programs need to run like. And we added so much that the more we added to make the church look really good, I felt that we were taking more and more away from the Holy Spirit of God. And what God wanted to do in the midst of those people. 2,000 years later, we, like I said, we have got nominations, we've got all these kinds of different things, and everyone's running in a different position. And, and one of my favorite scriptures is Mark 16, and, and Mark 16 sums up the, the whole church to me in what Jesus was thinking, because Jesus makes a statement just before he leaves, and he says, to those who believe, to those who believe, 
You will hands on the sick, you will cast out demons, you will drink deadly poison. He, he mentioned this, but he says, what's important is I'm looking for a church of believers. A church that believe that what I say is yes and amen. That every promise that I have given you is yes and amen. A group of believers that believe that we can lay hands on the sick and, we can, and they will be well. He is looking for a group of believers. He's not looking for a denomination. He's not looking for a fancy robe. He's not looking for a fancy hat. He's not looking for fancy mugs. He's not looking for fancy church buildings. All that Jesus is coming back for is a group of believers. Now, what God says that He's coming back for a church that without spot or blemish. That is what He's coming back for. He's coming back for a church that is without spot or blemish. Now, and I look at the church today and I think how much spot and how much blemish is on the church that, that God even can't even return in a sense because we're not ready yet. That we are so divided as a body. You know, there's a thing that always catches me that, that the word says that when they were in one accord in the upper room, the Holy Spirit of God fell. And I often wonder to myself, how many churches are in one accord? How many of us have got to the place where nothing else matters except the Spirit of God that is within me and the fact that I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. Those are the only two criteria that God desires. Because God is coming back. He's not coming back for a bowl. He's not coming back for a denomination. He's not coming back for anything except He's coming back for believers. And so I, I want to challenge you that if we are going to return to the church of Pentecost, if we're going to return to the church that Jesus was speaking about here in this passage, that we've got to get rid of so much stuff that we've added into our lives. So much stuff that we've added into our church. We've got, we've got more division in the church today about simple stuff. That whether we break bread in single glasses or in chalices, whether we wear fancy clothes or whether we wear jeans, whether we wear hats or whether we don't wear hats. There's dress codes and there's hundreds of things that we've added to the church. Now, I'm, I want to say this to you this morning. I want you to take a good look at your church and not just your church, but I want you to have a good look at yourself this morning. Because in the last week, I've had to ask myself if the only thing that God has called me to be is a spiritual believer, how much of what I've added to my life needs to be removed? You see, those religious leaders were there because they wanted some kind of an answer. They needed some kind of an answer for Jesus because something different was happening in their life and they were trying to understand it. The second, the second group of people that we find there, besides the leaders, is these four men. And the word of God said that these four men rock up because in a sense they've heard the power of Jesus. And their friend is lying on this mat and he's been carried so in my mind it must be like a stretcher kind of thing when I speak about a mat. But they carried this man and, and, and the fact is, the crazy thing is that I don't think the man that was being carried even had the faith for this healing. Because you remember when, when, when they lowered him down in front of Jesus, what happened? Jesus looks at the men and said, their faith has made you well. That he was so impressed with the friend's faith that the man in the mat received his healing. So you've got the Pharisees and the Sadducees there, and the religious leaders. You've got Jesus that is standing in the midst of this crowd trying to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got these four friends that are so desperate to see their friend being healed that they're carrying him on a mat. Number four, you've got this guy lying on a mat and, and, and wondering, will this ever happen? Will I ever walk? Have I given up on something? And fifthly, 
You've got a crowd of people that are about to be a testimony to what is about to happen. Now, I love this, this story for a few reasons. And a few reasons that I want to share with you this morning. And I really wanted to encourage you. Because I find in my life, and even in my Christian walk, that there are times where I need men of faith to carry me when I feel despondent. But there are times in my life where God needs me to be the carrier. That when people are down and people are, are falling to pieces and when people's lives are falling to pieces, I and you have to be the mat carriers. But there are times in our lives where you and I are on the mat and we feel paralyzed. We're paralyzed by fear. And we, we're paralyzed by our finances. We're paralyzed by um, our marriages that aren't working. We're paralyzed by what is happening to our kids and you know what is happening to the economy. And, and, and it's the craziest thing, but there's a thing like fear that brings paralysis on us where you and I many times in our life felt like we just want to give up. You know, is this Christian walk worth it? Is having my own business worth it? Is having being in this marriage worth it? Will this marriage ever work? Am I just wasting my time in the business? And many of you, whether you like it or not, will have to admit that there's been some time in your life where you felt absolutely paralyzed. In the situation and you needed someone to carry you you see there's a fifth there's a fifth person the sixth person in the story and this is the homeowner and i never thought about that till donnie mentioned it to me because yeah we have a man that opened his house to jesus he not only opened his house to jesus but he opened his house to the glory of god when the word says that the spirit was there to heal I, must, I can only imagine how intense it must have been in that room. Sitting in the presence of Jesus. Sitting right there. And the anointing must have been so thick because no, nobody was arguing. They weren't even asking questions. The word just said that Jesus was teaching. And it sounded like they were just absorbing what was being said. Can you imagine the owner of the house? I would, if I was the owner of the house, I would be standing in the corner there so proud. Thinking, wow. How blessed am I that I'm able to host the presence of God Almighty in my home. How blessed am I to have so many people come around me. So many people come and strengthen me. So many people that just come to visit because the presence of God is in the house. Whenever I look at church, I, I often wonder at times that I'm the house owner. And you could be the house owner, whether you're a life group leader or a group leader or a pastor or assistant pastor, you teach courses, or you might just be the head of your home. And as I prepared this message, I thought to myself, good, how often has it crossed your mind that whenever you have your quiet time, whenever you have friends over, whenever you meet in a church building on a Sunday morning, how many times do we think for a minute and say, wow, what I'm really doing today is hosting the presence of Jesus in the midst of my home, in the midst of our church life, in the midst of my life group. Because, you see, we can do stuff for the sake of doing stuff. We can get to a place in our lives where we just have life group and we have coffee and we sing a couple of songs and we go home and we pray. And nothing else happens. But imagine if you and I became so intentional about the presence of God that whether we're two or three that meet for a prayer meeting or whether we're 150 or whether we're a thousand people that meet, that the main goal on our, on our 
mind as owners of that church, of owners of our building, of owners of our life groups in a sense, that we know that we're there to host the presence of God. That we're welcoming the presence of God into our home. You see, many of us have got challenges in our lives. And many of us, many people say, you know, I don't know my purpose and I don't know my plan and, and I don't know what God has got in store for me. But I know there's one thing that God has called me to be. And often, it's the thing that stirs me the most and is to be a pastor, to be a friend, to be there for those in need. And it's not easy at times because at times people will do stuff to you. People will say things about you. People will challenge you. People will criticize you. People will, will, will take stuff from you. How do you react to what people are doing around you? How do you react to what people are saying? You see, because I'm spirit-filled and I'm a believer of Jesus and I understand the calling and the purpose of the plan of God upon my life. For me, it doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people do. That I cannot lose focus on the calling and the purpose and the plan that God has for me. And so often we give up. So often we, we give up so quickly. And I, when I read the story about the man on the mat, something just stirred inside of me. And, and it's like God said, because how often have you given up just before breakthrough? How often have you given up just before I was about to release stuff? You see, the story goes on. It says that these four men had heard about Jesus, that he was in this home. And, and the story says that when they approached the house, it was so full that there was no way that they could get this man into the house. They couldn't get him through the crowd because the doors were bad. They couldn't get him inside because there were too many people inside. What were they about to do? Now, most of us, as we face this challenge in our life as believers, we could have easily turned around. Those four men could have easily turned around and said, Hey, buddy, the space is so full. You know what? I think we're going to come back next week. Or, or maybe next week, tomorrow, Jesus will be in another house, and I think we'll make a plan. But there was this bulldog tenacity with these four friends. And, and, and I don't know if they had seen Jesus do miracles. Um, I know that they've heard about Jesus. That's why their friend is there with the mat. But, but something in them said, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I, I can't give up because I've got to believe that the man inside this house is able to change my friend that has been laying on this mat for so many years in an instant. Now, can you imagine being the house owner? And now you've got these four guys outside, you've got a guy on a mat outside. These guys are walking around the house and they want to find a way in. I can imagine they must be looking all over the place. And the word says, in, in Luke it says, they eventually get to the rooftop. And, and they realize that there's only one way that they are going to get their friend to Jesus. And it's to physically break through the roof. I always got this joke which on time and I said, I don't know how he's going to explain that to the insurance company. But can you imagine standing there next to Jesus and he's teaching and all of a sudden the roof in front of you or above you just starts to break open. These four friends were so convinced that Jesus could do what he said he could do that they started to rip, they were desperate, they started to rip the roof of the house to pieces because they were not going to leave unless their friend left walking with them. How often have we given up so quickly? How often have we approached an area? How often have we approached the presence of God? How often have we approached our business finances or our marriage? 
and things just look too difficult. It just looks too crowded. It just looks like there's too many people. It just looks like there's no way out of this thing. And we can pick up that map and we can turn around. And let me tell you something, that if those four men turned around, you and I would not even be reading the story today. Everything about the story in Luke 5 pivots around the faith of four men that were trusting Jesus for an unbelievable miracle. If those four men gave up, one, they would not have seen the power of Jesus. Two, that their friend would still be lying on a mat. Three, that there would be no testimony out there about the things that Jesus was about to do. And four, that the religious leaders of those days would have left that building unchanged. How often have you given up when things seem a little bit tough? You see, it's easy to give up. It's easy just to walk away from everything. It's easy to walk away from a company and say, well, it's never going to work. Or walk away from a marriage. <coughs> you know, Lord, I've tried everything now and, and this thing's just not working. Or give up on God because, you know, I've been praying for years, Father, and you're not asking my prayers. How often have we given up that far away from our breakthrough? The craziest thing is the word says that they break open the roof and they lower their friend, the word says, right down in the midst of Jesus, right in front of Jesus, they drop this man. Can you imagine here's Jesus standing in his teaching and he's got all his religious leaders <coughs> and while he's busy preaching, all of a sudden, ceiling starts to cave in above him, tiles start to come, some men starting to come down the roof. I mean, I was thinking, what was Jesus thinking looking at these guys? Just breaking through this roof. And I can't speak for Jesus, but I tell you something. Jesus must have thought, come on, boys, you can do this. I'm waiting, I'm not moving, I'm gonna wait until you guys have got that bulldog in that city to break through that ceiling. And when you break through that ceiling, you know that I'm gonna do something extraordinary in your life. And the word says they break through that ceiling. Now I'll tell you something, it couldn't have been a little hole because there was a big man on a mat, so it must have been a massive hole. But the word of God says that they lowered him down in the presence of Jesus. And as they lowered him down in the presence of Jesus, I love what Jesus says. He looks at the man and he looks at their friends. And the word says, and he sees the faith in them. And he doesn't even say anything to him. He just looks down at the man and he says, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees show a temper tantrum. Who can you forgive? How can you forgive? Who are you to forgive? But it's not about that. It's about the fact that if you will push through, that you will have a testimony to the religious, that you'll have a testimony to the crowd that is around you, that you'll have a testimony to your friends and family that are looking to you for answers right now, that you'll be a testimony to the homeowners wherever you go. You cannot give I know that this seems like a season and, and the forecast on great and everyone's prophesying doom and gloom and everyone's telling us how the world's falling to pieces and how we're never going to survive. You see, but there's a scripture that I live by every day of my life and it's a scripture in Romans 8 28. It says that my God works all things for the good of those who love and believe in Him and who are called according to His purpose. You see, again, He's looking for believers. People that believe that he can do the impossible. The crazy thing about the story is, is there's the two sides to it. One, that we needed the faith 
sometimes you and I just need the faith, not for ourselves, but sometimes we need the faith for others. Like I said just now, there are times in my life where I've been the guy on the mat, and there's been times in my life where I've been the one carrying the mat. And I'm thankful for the friends and family, my leaders that have had around me, that have broken through rules for me in the past. But I want to thank God more than anything that I've also had the opportunity to be one of the four that never gave up, that broke through the roof, that knew that if I can get my friend, if I can get my wife, if I can get my, my husband, if I can get my kids, if I can get my neighbors, just be in the midst of Jesus, everything will change. There's a challenge out there for you now this morning. There's a challenge out there, and I want to ask you this. How many stories or how many miracles did you just miss because you looked just a little bit difficult? How many have not received your breakthrough? Because, you know, breaking up the roof is a bit much. We'll come back tomorrow. How many of us look at the crowd and all the people and say, well, you know, I don't know if, if God's going to have time for me amongst all of this. And I know we're in a season right now, we're excited. You guys know we're busy building in Thiscombe. And, and in the middle of this COVID thing, everything is shut down. And we need extraordinary faith to finish our, our building in Thiscombe. We need extraordinary faith to see the lockdown levels come down. We need extraordinary faith to see the church open again. But I want the church to open to its original design. I want us to throw away all the trinkets and all the fancy stuff and get back to two simple things. One, that we need the Holy Spirit of God in our life and two, that we believe us. Secondly, I want us to get to a place where it was my day that if I'm going to be the carrier of the guy on the bed, that's what I want to do until breakthrough comes. If I'm the guy that is paralyzed on the mattress, I need men and women that will be there for me. You see, there was a church that came out of the upper room that changed the world forever. Imagine, as I said last week, if they never came out of the upper room. Imagine if Peter just decided, well, this is fantastic, I'm just going to start my own church, this is a real revival meeting, got 120 guys, the Spirit of God is in the house, bring out the guitar, let's do some worship. Thousands wouldn't have been saved. If these four men didn't have that desire and, and know that Jesus could do the impossible, they would have walked away. And never broken through the roof. And maybe God is saying to each and every one of you this morning that that thing which you desire sometimes just needs a little bit more effort. Same as that massage I had to go through. I had to push through the pain. I had to push through looking at my wife and, 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 and not feel seems if I'm squeamish. I had to push through and there were benefits to it. But sometimes when things look difficult, we give up. When things look too complicated, we give up. And I want to leave this with you this morning. I don't want you to be one that quits. As I said before, if those four never ever got into that roof and broke a hole through the ceiling, this story would never have been written. And I wonder how many of your stories have never been written just because you gave up too quickly. You see, the crowd was so changed that right in verse 27, it says this, and they were all amazed. Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers, the crowd, everybody was amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things 
this day. I just know that if God is going to do something impossible in my life, that I need to make myself available. If I know that God wants me to use me to do the impossible things, there are going to be times where I have to push harder than I've ever pushed. That I've got to push deeper than I've ever pushed. That I've got to remove roof tiles to get into the presence of God, to break roof tiles to get my friends into the presence of God. Then that's what I need to do. And today I want to leave this thought with you that as I went through the scripture, as I read through this thing, God kept on stirring my spirit and says, Good, are you one of the four? Are you one of the four for our nation? Are you one of the four that's prepared to go the extra mile? Are you the one of the four that's prepared to carry this nation right now? Prepared to carry the church? Prepared to carry the sick and the lonely and the hurting and the starving and the broken? Are you prepared to push a little bit harder for the breakthrough that we need in our nation right now? And I've had to put up my hand and say, Yes, Lord, I want to be one of those four. I want to be one of those four that are prepared to carry the presence one of those four that wants to be a believer and, and because I believe I want to see signs, wonders and miracles following me. And for you that are feeling despondent this morning, for you that feel like maybe you want to give up this morning or, you know, what things aren't working out for you. I want to say this to you quickly this morning. Do me a favor. Whatever is lying on your mat that needs to be healed and resurrected, I want you to lower it into the presence of Jesus. Like I said, it might be your marriage. It might be your business. It might be relationships. It might be friendships. It might be school. I don't know. But I know one thing, that when you lower whatever it is that you're carrying into the presence of Jesus, something always happens. And I need you to push harder than you ever pushed. And I need you to be a mat carrier this morning. And yes, the economy feels like it's paralyzed and our country feels like it's crippled and the church feels like it's paralyzed. But all that man needed was four friends that were prepared to carry him, that were prepared to go the extra mile, that were prepared to break the roof until they got what they came for. Are you prepared to fight for what you came for? When you spend time in the presence of God, you don't walk out just because it's too difficult or it just takes too long to read the scriptures, or it just takes too long to pray, or people don't understand me. I want you this morning to make a choice. I want you to make a choice. Say, you know what, Kurt? doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I want my legacy, the story of how God used me, the story of how I broke through to touch people around me, not just touch people around me, but to leave a story that 2,000 years later, People are still marveling at the faith that God had placed in me and the faith that God had placed in you. The Word of God says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is within you. That whatever Jesus did, you can do because that Spirit is in you. And so that one said you don't give up. Dig deeper than you've ever dug. Work harder than you've ever worked. Dream bigger than you've ever dreamed. Trust God more than you've ever trusted Doing the word of God more than you ever have. And I'm going to trust God to do the impossible in your life. Remember, whatever's laying on the mat that is paralyzing your, in your life right now, in the presence of the God, it gets to stand up and it gets to walk out. And so I'm going to pray for you this morning. And when I'm going to trust God to do something supernatural in your life this week, 
as we push for breakthrough in every area of our life. Amen. Can we pray? Father, you know every one of our burdens. You know every challenge that we face. You know every hurt and every pain in us. Father, you know the thing that paralyzes at times. The thing that makes us want to give up. The thing that makes us want to quit. But I want to pray that you put men around each and every one of us that are carrying that thing that has paralyzed us, Father. But more than that, Father, I want to pray that you'd raise up men and women that are prepared to be mat carriers, roof breakers in the season we're in right now. Men and women that are filled with the presence and the Spirit of God. Believers that believe that Jesus can do the impossible. That whatever you ask asking now, you're going to receive it. And Lord, I want to thank you that you're coming back for believers. You're coming back for spiritual believers. You're coming back for your church. The, one, the church that came out of the upper room. Not the church that we built. The church that came out of the upper room. And I pray for wisdom and guidance as his leaders and as pastors and, and, and as group leaders in this church. Father, that you give us the revelation of what it is that you desire in our lives in this season, I pray in Jesus' name. So come, Holy Spirit, right now and for afresh, resurrect that which has been dead, resurrect that which has been paralyzed, destroy that which has paralyzed us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Well, it's been great just to be able to share the word of God with you. And again, thank you just for all you guys that are giving and tithing, and we just really honor and appreciate you guys. Don't forget, Wednesday evening, I'm going to be doing an interview with the Piano Man. Um, it's going to be at 19.30, at half past seven on Wednesday evening, and you guys are really going to enjoy the interview that we've got set up for you guys for next week. Also, don't forget, we've said it before, that on the 14th, that is next weekend, we will be opening our service not to the public, only to our leaders, so that we get everything in order, that we, all our leaders understand how the church needs to function during the season on the 21st, which is Father's Day. We encourage most of you dads to spend the time with your kids at home. Don't worry about church. But on the 21st, it will, the church will be open to 45 people maximum. There's a cell phone number, you'll see it be on the slide. And it's a WhatsApp number that you have to WhatsApp details to us and book your place. We can only take... 45 people, including the staff and the, the worship. And so we cannot have more than 50 people in the body. If you're 51, I have to turn you away. So look at the number at the end of this, at the end of this clip and get that number and WhatsApp. And so we'll have on the 21st, we'll have our first 50 people service. Then on Sunday the 28th, we're then going to move to two service. We're going to have an 8.30 and a 10.30 service. And again, you can WhatsApp that number and book your place for the 8.30 or the 10 o'clock service on the 28th and the weeks to follow until things change with our government and with our legislation right now. But we love you guys. Be safe. Stay safe. See you soon.